To write well, express yourself like the common people, but think like a wise man. Aristotle. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And I'm finally back in studio, out of quarantine and COVID-free. We are continuing our series about the pearls from the masters by talking about Aristotle, one of the oldest storytellers that we know of. Definitely one of the oldest sets of rules in storytelling that you can find. He mostly was talking about theater, about dramas that way, because, of course, most people couldn't read in that era. So most of the communication of any kind came in the form of theater and acting and stories in that capacity. But the same principles apply today. So we're going to take a look at some of his quotes. Obviously, they've been translated from their original language, but... We will be taking a look at the quotes and analyzing them using the same questions that we went over in the How to Learn episode at the end of December. So I have to ask, do you agree with that opener of express yourself like a commoner, but think like a wise man? Yes, because all writing needs to be understood. And who's going to be reading my writing? The common people. But I want to convey more than basic ideas in my writing. I don't necessarily like the you have to be better than other people idea because if you talk down to your audience, good things don't generally tend to follow that. But the separation between thoughts and words is an interesting translation to try to pull off successfully. So one of the questions that we need to look at is whether or not we share a target audience with Aristotle. Basically, no. Entirely different culture and entirely different time. But again, there's a little bit of truth, a little bit of knowledge that I can take, even though we don't share the same target audience. So let's get into the rest of Aristotle's quotes that we have for you today. We're going to start off with one that is a good mindset when you are learning how to be a writer. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You need to be able to take advice and suggestions and entertain those ideas. Think about it, ponder it, and if it works, use it. If it doesn't, don't. But that's the only way you can get better is if you can entertain the thoughts that you may not necessarily agree with right off the start. The next quote is, The aim of art is to represent not the outward appearance of things, but their inward significance. I feel like this is one of those where the target audience doesn't quite work for me. In my fantasy, yes, but in my mystery novels, I'm writing solely for entertainment. If you are writing with a goal to create art or literature, then yes, this absolutely applies. But if you're just writing to have some fun and entertain some people, I don't really feel like you really need to dig into the inward significance of things. I would say this would apply to descriptions, not only location descriptions, but character descriptions. I don't care if your character has blonde hair unless it's part of her identity because all of her family for ages back had this platinum blonde hair and it's unique and she has attached inward significance to said blonde hair. 
But yes, I agree. Art isn't as much of a factor as why you're telling the information. So on to the next quote. Most important of all is the structure of the incidents. For tragedy is an imitation not of men, but of an action and of life. And life consists in action, and its end is a mode of action, not a quality. Basically, what he's saying here is your character's background shouldn't just be to make him have a tragic background. It should be something that motivates his future, that changes his future. Yes, it's sad his dog died. What does that change beyond he's a sad character? How does that change his actions and his future? I interpret this as something bad happening is not just because a person did it. There is a base for that action. There's something motivating it. There's something driving that. And all of life is action. It's choices. It's decisions. It's not just sitting there and going with the flow. That needs to be represented in writing somehow. Your characters need to act. They need to move. They need to do something. It's definitely something that I wish I had learned sooner in my writing, but I'm not sure had I gotten this advice at that phase, I would have accepted it. And it's Aristotle. It's hard to understand. Yeah. A lot of this is a bit of a mess that we are attempting to unravel for you. This next quote from Aristotle is, I think, one of the more important. It's not really a quote. It's the elements of drama that he has presented as fact. These are spectacle, character, fable or plot, diction, melody, and thought. So that first one, spectacle, I associate with Sanderson's zeroth law of magic. Air on the side of awesome. Again, Aristotle was mostly talking theater here, but the drawing your attention, the jazz hands, the spectacle gets people to pay attention to the story. People love fantasy because the spectacle is the world that it's set in. It's the characters, the magic, the creativity about it. And that goes into the second one, which is character. Character is so important in your writing. Without the characters, the viewers have nothing to connect with in the story. The third one is fable slash plot. He called it fable because most of the purpose of theater was to tell about the gods and their interactions with man and that kind of thing. But whatever your problem and solution is, that is summed up in this, your plot, the stuff that happens and what changes from the beginning to the end. The next one is diction. This one's a little bit different because, again, we're talking about theater, but you can use this in your word choice. Instead of being how clearly it's said, it is the flow of the words within the story. The next one is melody. I don't know that there's a whole lot we can take from that. We have spoken about the way your words fall on the page and they can be rhythmic in order to help keep your reader entranced in what's going on. But we don't exactly have a soundtrack, so. We're going to slide right past that one and into thought. A lot of that is about your subtext. If you're looking for a research tangent on that, we did an episode on subtext in November. Great episode. Check it out. 
but your character's internal story and their external story are the thought and the plot of your story. We will have a link on the landing page for this episode if you want to dig further into these elements of drama. I agree with most of these. I feel like it's needlessly complex, but that's also kind of Aristotle. Very true. Obviously, spectacle, melody, these are things that are more toward filmmakers and toward theater geeks. Playwrights and screenwrites. But these are still things that you can apply to your writing. Still things that you can think about and your style will bleed through when you've figured out the kind of spectacle of them walking away from an explosion. This next one I enjoy and I think I might have it put into a plaque and put on the wall. No great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness. I think this is especially fun to apply to your mentor characters because that little bit of Dumbledore saying he wants socks, that's what he wants most in his Mirror of Irised. That little bit of madness gives them a quirk that's a lot of fun to write. I also think this gives a little bit of justification to the authors as they write when they think that they're just doing outlandish things. It goes along with Neil Gaiman's quotes that we used in his episode about how writing and storytelling is never trivial. No matter how wild it is, you can still have a great mind, and it's okay that there's a touch of madness and weirdness in there. Our next quote, to me, speaks to the process of writing. Excellence is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention, sincere effort, and intelligent execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. I like this one because it feels like it's very easy to get stuck in the work element of whatever it is that you're writing. Great, now I have to go through and edit this chapter, blah, blah, blah. But that's where the excellence comes Only after you edit the book a million times and you have 14 billion beta readers and this and that, does the excellence shine through and it makes the work worth it in the end. High intention, sincere effort, and intelligent execution. You need all of these to have an excellent product. Without that work, without the slogging through the editing, no matter how good your first draft was, It's never going to be good enough to publish. And it is your choice, your choice to do better, your choice to continue, your choice to improve it that will decide how good that book does. That choice is most evident when you write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.